Hey, welcome to Conversations on the Co-Mission, a podcast where we're talking about the topics, the trends, and the issues and missions that impact both the missionaries and the churches that partner with them. My name is Tony Balava, and with me today is Stephen Madoff. Well, hello there, Tony. Boy, you know, I know I say it every episode that I'm excited about what we're going to talk about, but today we're actually going to talk about something I'm passionate about. Hmm. I am looking forward to our topic as we dissect one of those things that I think we don't put the emphasis on as we mm-hmm. ought in yeah. missions. Yeah. I would say every church, that if mm-hmm. we were to take a survey, do you believe in the Great Commission? They're all going to probably 100%. respond. 100%. Yep, we do, 100%. we do, we do. But then there is a big part of the Great Commission that we we don't do as great a job. <laughs> we probably, as a movement, independent Baptist mm-hmm. churches, aren't as strong on this particular issue as we are on the other two-thirds of the Great Commission. That's such a nice way of saying it. Way to go. <laughs> well, we, the Great Commission, as we understand it, is evangelism. Correct. You know, getting mm-hmm. the name of Christ out and challenging folks about sin, about their need of a Savior. Then, secondly, we would say baptism, mm-hmm. helping folks make that public identification with Christ. Then the third part is where Jesus said, teaching them to observe all things which mm-hmm. I've commanded. And I would say that we would use that term discipleship. Mm-hmm. Discipleship does seem to be somewhat of a lost art in yes. in churches yeah. across the world. Mm-hmm. And it is something, though, that is so critically important. And I am very passionate about discipleship. And I'm, and I'm privileged of the Lord to have been discipling someone the it, I think I could say almost every year for, for the last probably 10 years, mm-hmm. easily, where someone I'm taking under my wing and helping grow yeah. in the faith and, and things. But I, we, I think we talked about this topic because I had someone, I was sharing a story to you, that someone came to me and said, oh, you only do that because you're a missionary. <laughs> well, it's like, no, <laughs> this is something that's at the heartbeat of the Great Commission, and that's mm-hmm. where it impacts the missionaries and the churches that partner with them. Absolutely, yes, yeah. You know, I am, I, um, I am, maybe you say you use that word passionate, and, and I know that you are. I know that you are because I know that you're involved regularly with discipling, and and I I love it too. I love the one-on-one discipling of people. I I would tell our church in Arizona very often. We just broke it down: three parts of the Great Commission: evangelism, baptism, discipleship. And I would tell our our church very often: if if you look at it that way, that this is our task. Well, if you get one third of the answers wrong on a final exam, you fail. And in mm-hmm. pretty much every academic area anywhere, if we get one third of the Great Commission wrong or we're not carrying it out, we're not doing it, we're not really going to get a passing grade. And yes, it is something missionaries should do, but it is something that is commanded to every Christian right. should be involved with discipling others. Second Timothy 2.2 2, um, you mm-hmm. know, is very, very clear that we should all be involved in, in discipling others. And as far as missions goes, missionaries go to the field, want to plant a church, and they want that church to live past them, outlive their lives. And you have seen it and I have seen it and, and others as well, for sure. Missionaries who fail at the discipleship part of the Great Commission, ultimately, they might have a great, successful church while they are alive and leading that church. But almost within months after their departure, 
the church falls apart because they were following a man rather than becoming disciples of Jesus Christ. And the goal is to disciple people and have them follow Christ. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And so we have to instill in people we do what we do because we are following Christ. You don't do what you do because you're following me as your pastor or your missionary leader. We do what we do because we're following Christ. And they won't know that except for that they are taught and and, and somebody has taken the time to disciple them. So it's vitally important in missions, but it's vitally important in the local church. And I would say this, uh, probably most missionaries come uh, are a product of somebody having discipled them mm-hmm. that that yeah. most people don't just become missionaries who haven't been discipled you know it is something that i will readily admit before i left for the mission field um the emphasis in my life was evangelism mm-hmm. reach the lost reach the lost reach the lost i mean that was and i say this in the best way drummed into me like, hey, have an eye and a heart for the unsaved around you and do all you can to look for opportunities to connect them to the gospel. And growing up, and thankfully, I think that was put in me, and I saw God use me to help you know, bring people to faith in Christ. But I, don't, I can't say that it was drummed into me to then help bring these people further along in a faith with Christ. It was almost like, yay, we got someone. And then you move on to the next person. Right. And yay, let's go for the next one. And then the mm-hmm. next one, the next one. Mm-hmm. And then now looking back, it's like, man, I, part of my responsibility was then to disciple those folks. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things that really challenged me, I heard a, a speaker say once, they said, he tossed out the question, Fill in the blanks. What is it that Jesus came to do? He says, it is finished. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, where did he say that? You know, and so, of course, we're all, he said, on the cross and Mm -hmm. things. He said, did you know that Jesus said that even before the cross? He said, it is finished. And now I'm like, hmm, where's he talking about? Mm -hmm. Well, in John 17, uh, verse 4, he's in his you know, we would say his prayer in the garden right. before mm-hmm. he's arrested and all sure. that. He says, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Right. And the speaker said, well, how can Jesus say I finished the work? He hadn't gone to the cross yet. Mm-hmm. So what was the work? Mm-hmm. And the whole emphasis then was he was handing off those disciples. Mm-hmm. And that rest of the prayer is, you know, I've not lost any. I've kept them. I give, taught them about you, you know, tried to show the love sure. and hope that they all of those things that he's talking about the disciples. Mm-hmm. And, and the emphasis was what was the work that Jesus came, not just salvation, mm-hmm. but also I finished the work of discipling these people to be able to bring them to a point then of kind of leading the church in the next, mm-hmm. you know, what mm-hmm. was going to be the next phase. That really just challenged me. It was like, wow, you're right. And from that moment on, uh, I'd say that thing was probably, that was 2003. And from Mm -hmm. 2003 on, that became something I became very passionate about. And then the other thing that the speaker said, he goes, look, there's no easy easy and quick way to disciple. Mm -hmm. It's not hand a brochure. It's not, Mm -hmm. uh, here, just read this book and you'll be good. He said, how Mm -hmm. long did it take Jesus to disciple folks? Mm -hmm. Three years. He said, how long did, in a sense, Jesus even minister to Paul? Because we know Paul was in the desert. He was by himself for three years before he even saw anyone. What? It was three years. And 
and then yet we think we can disciple someone in three weeks. <laughs> you know, yeah. like here's a booklet, mm-hmm. read this. And and it really helped me to understand the investment that it takes. And it does take time, it does take investment, it does take effort to help someone grow in their faith. Sure. And that to me is is a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I encourage missionaries, of course, that hey, when you're out there um, and you lead someone to Christ, the next thing that has to be in your mind is not, oh, I get to write this in the prayer letter. It has to be, I have got to plug this person into a, into a series of discipleship in order to help them understand who God is, who Christ is, and what this faith thing is all about apart from just simply the saving faith that they have. Yeah, great, great point, and a really great point on that speaker's part as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was challenged in in a way with a different text, but uh, that really helped me understand the the importance of discipleship before going to the mission field. And I had a pastor friend who. I was actually in his missions conference. We were raising our support and we were just talking and and he said to me, he said, hey, listen, what kind of church do you want to pastor? And I just stopped and thought about that question for a second. The common, the, the most, you know, obvious response is, well, an independent Baptist church. Yeah, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 but I realized that his question was something far deeper than that. And I, I, I thought for a couple moments and I said, I want to pastor a church like the church at Berea. And, mm-hmm. and I said, you know, the scripture says that they were more noble than those at Thessalonica. And we usually look at the Thessalonian church as the model church mm-hmm. of the New Testament. Yet Paul says that the church at Berean or the those in Berea were more noble. Mm. Why? Because they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things be so. And we talked about that for a while and the conversation led to the point of, well then discipleship is gonna have to be a huge part mm-hmm. of what you do because you you can't have people searching the scriptures in the way that the Bereans did. They weren't looking at the table of contents and looking for a concordance. And <laughs> they were searching, and and they had a they had already a grip on the scriptures and understood some things about the scriptures. And they were not with a critical spirit, but checking what Paul said and saying, "Does this line up?" And and you know you really can't do that unless you know the material already. Yep. And so we had a long conversation on well, if you're going to pastor a church that's like the the Bereans, then you better be prepared to disciple people and it is going to be really it's a ministry that i don't think ever has an end there's no ending to it um uh, we may not sit the discipleship what we did was new believers were discipled for generally about a 19-week course that we would take them through and uh, we use different courses at different times and for different reasons. But I don't think just because you got through your 19 weeks, all of a sudden now you're a disciple and yeah. we're done. I think the discipleship ministry needs to continue on really right straight through our Christian walk. And even today, I have people in my life that I look to, or we might use the term mentors, but they're still in some aspect discipling me and helping me grow in my walk with the Lord. What we did in Australia, and even what I'm doing now, uh, being based here in Chattanooga, 
it's typically about a year's length of time mm. where we meet weekly mm-hmm. and uh, then also throughout the week and talk and text and, and catch up just how's it going so on and so forth what's God shown you in your scriptures and and things and about a year and what we saw and the benefits of it was that every single person who got saved and discipled and lasted that year mm-hmm. they never left the church except if job moved them mm. out of the area they they were there when they got discipled they stayed in there they stayed in the church and were there even when i left mm-hmm. uh, to come back here to the states and and i just say wow something that shows something took Absolutely. root in yeah. them we would go through some things obviously and just really explaining salvation okay like they made their decision but let's let's explain it more in depth and and let's talk about who god is and then we would talk about who satan is mm-hmm. and that was like the second thing i would cover with them was who satan is and then the third part was where man fits into that mm-hmm. about the okay here's god here's satan and here we are and then which leads to the point of salvation and reinforcing the mm-hmm. why christ came and then from there after they kind of really understood their uh the meaning of their salvation then we would take it into how to study the bible mm-hmm. how to pray because i think we're we're often guilty about we preach really good hey read your bible pray every day and you'll grow <laughs> grow grow but we don't really tell people how to read mm-hmm. the bible yeah. and there's a there's a generation of folks and particularly around the world there's some folks who've never seen a bible before mm-hmm. and and there's a generation of folks who don't understand how to read the bible apart from just that as a book but mm-hmm. how, what is God saying yeah. to me? Yeah. How do I take and make application to my life? And how do I personalize this? And and I think that that's a step that we, we sometimes just say, hey, read your Bible. Mm. But we never take the time to go through and say, this is how you read the Bible. You mentioned the longevity, the, the, the retention, however you want to say that. And it has been my observation that the people who take the time to allow themselves to be discipled and who have also had somebody invest in their lives as the discipler do stay around a lot longer and and seem to be at, at least on the surface i mean in their church attendance and those types of things far more faithful i, I recently had the privilege to be uh, back in our sending church in new england it was really a blessing to me to see uh, who has become a dear friend of mine, the very first man I ever discipled over 25 years ago. And he's older than I am. He has way different life experiences than I do. Um, but the Lord allowed the opportunity for us to connect and for me to sit down and bring him through. I think at that time it was a it was a 25-week course of discipleship. And we sat down and did that, and we became soul-winning partners. And what a joy to see him active and involved in his local church where God placed him over 25 years ago. When I met him, he had just, just gotten saved. And I was, I think, if I remember correctly, probably still in Bible college at mm. that time. And yet he is still serving the Lord today. I didn't do that. I understand that completely. Right. I did not do that. But to say, hey, my investment was not in vain. Yeah, and and that's, I mean, it's it is exciting. It is exciting to see that 
the principle that God has laid out taking root and working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that we're surprised yeah. at it, but to, it is exciting yeah, when you see it, it happen. I think, obviously, for missionaries that are on the field, if they're listening to us or they're on deputation to go to the field, they have to, like, what what material are you using? Mm-hmm. We talk in generalities. We talk, oh, discipleship. And again, if we took a survey of, of a lot of people say, do you believe in discipleship? Oh, yes, I believe it. Exactly. Every church, oh, yeah, discipleship is an important part. But then it's like, okay, well, what what does that look like for your church? What does mm-hmm. that look like for you on the mission field? Yeah. If there's any Southeast Asia, South Pacific missionaries listening to this podcast, they'll they'll know what I'm going to say here. Because every time I get a letter that says, hey, we, we've seen someone come to the Lord, when I email them to like rejoice with them, I will mm-hmm. put in there, okay, so are you get them plugged in with someone to mm-hmm. be discipled. There's got to be material that you use. There's got to be some kind of structure in some way. Sure. We had different materials that we used uh, because, again, sometimes you come across someone who has kind of like a religious background mm-hmm. that they they would say, oh, yeah, I understand aspects of God. Well, I did one s- uh, set of materials that would sort of say, and I would use this uh, as my line, well, let's go through and see, make sure we're on the same page about God. So we would go through and start with about God. And oftentimes they'd be like, man, I didn't know any of that. And then when you get to mm-hmm. the Bible, oh, yeah, I know the Bible. But then when you go into it and, and oh, wow, I didn't know that. So we had one set of materials for someone that would say have background, a religious background. Then, of course, there were some folks that they had no clue anything, <laughs> of, you know, like, what is this whole religion thing or whatever? And so we had another thing that just kind of took them from the, I mean, the basics of basics. Mm-hmm. What is sin? Why, why, why do we even talk about Jesus? Of all mm-hmm. the people that ever lived on this earth, why do we talk about him? And we go through all those things and, and just flesh it out for them so that their understanding is growing and, and they're developing an understanding of scripture. And it was awesome. It was mm-hmm. awesome. Cause not every, not every personality can handle it. Can, you can't take every personality down the same path, but there has to be some kind of, I think using different tools to reach and minister to the heart of different people as you're bringing them along, um, on a discipleship path. I like I like the idea of, of the of the different tools. We um, we basically had one set that we would use, um, but we would definitely it was there was always enough leeway in there to customize it and tailor it to the person who was being discipled. And um, you know, at, at the first uh, when when we did this, I had material that I wrote myself and I used, and we would hand that out. And we went through this process, and and really I did through this thinking process of how can I make this better and and present it to the person being discipled where they value it. And I one of the conclusions I came to was that I don't think the material I was giving them was necessarily inferior to published material coming out of publishing houses, but I do think that it didn't, at least in their hands, have the same value because I was handing them a piece of photocopy paper. And so I made the decision that we were going to use published materials and put a published book in people's hands because... I felt like they would value that. And and then a little bit later on, I made another step and said, 
if you can afford it, we would like you to buy the book. And uh, recently on a podcast, we interviewed Ed Hembry on Bible colleges, and he made a statement that he came to a conclusion regarding Bible college, my same conclusion in, in the discipleship, and that was, you don't really value a thing unless you're invested in it yourself. And so we asked people to pay for the discipleship material because I felt like if they invested, they would be faithful to classes, they would value it more. If they couldn't pay for it, that was never going to be, oh, well, we can't disciple you kind of thing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we, would, we would absolutely still disciple them and we would still make that available to them. But we, we just felt like that, and it did seem uh, through the years that the, that people became more serious as we were more serious about the materials that we were putting in their hands. And I don't even know if more serious on my part is the right thing because I was pretty serious when I yeah. wrote the material, but yeah. it just didn't have that same you understand somebody hands you a stack of photocopied paper stapled together and they hand you a book, you realize that one has more value yeah, absolutely. to it than the other. The material may be identical even, but they're going to take care of the one and, and say, wow, they really care about this. Yeah, uh, of course. One of the aspects going forward about discipleship, what I think also needs to be stressed, is not just putting into that person that you're ministering to but then also letting them know up up front or somewhere in the middle of all this that there's a responsibility of them to now disciple somebody else. That is 2 Timothy 2, that too. Is, exactly. <laughs> but in... You know, even now, th- that's one of the things, and I can I just rejoice in the Lord. I share this story as just as a praise to the Lord. Even now, over these last years, I've had different people I've discipled that they, and I tell them from, hey, look, this is what I want to do. I'm not, I don't hide it from them. It's not like I'm going to sneak, you know, like, guess what? Now it's your turn. In, in the beginning, it's like, look, this is what I want to do. I want to grow you in your faith. But there is going to also be the challenge for you to then after our end of our year, that you find someone to disciple. Mm-hmm. And and I kind of lay that out through the whole year. So they kind of, you know, at first they're so scared. Ah, and yeah. I can't do that. And, th- and th- that's right. They probably sure. can at that time. Mm-hmm. But I want them to know from the very beginning that there is an expectation that mm-hmm. this is something that's going to happen down the road. And so even right now, there are some of those folks that I've discipled that they are leading someone else in discipleship yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the young man I'm doing right now, there's a guy I meet with every Saturday, we get together. He's even identified to me just this last week someone that he wants to begin discipling mm-hmm. when we're done. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's, the, that's the way we reach the world. Mm-hmm. If this was like a, a, a video program where I can show images, Man, the, the charts you could show about how you could you truly can reach the world Absolutely. in one generation if mm-hmm. if every person if I reach one person disciple him and then he turns around and reaches right. someone and then I go and start someone new every year yep. you could do it something like thirty four years you can Multi- reach the world yeah. multiplication always works mm-hmm. faster than addition yeah and it, and it, it's true and. As as we as we have this conversation about discipleship and things, I, I I'm going to refer to Ed Hembry again and what he said about his Bible college material. He went to the field with a plan to mm-hmm. start a Bible college. I think a lot of missionaries go to the field with a plan of at least how they're going to evangelize that area that they're going to, and then a thought of, and one day I will start a discipleship program. And I would encourage missionaries to change that way of thinking and say, no, 
don't wait to start a discipleship program when the church is a little more established. As soon as you have a convert, mm-hmm. the discipleship mm-hmm. starts there. And don't wait until you have two or three, and then we'll start a discipleship program. Um, I, I think discipleship works best one-on-one. Yes. And and what we would do is sometimes we would do a group discipleship, and we would actually take those who we thought should maybe, – maybe they hadn't been fully discipled themselves, or we thought they were at a point where they could disciple others but didn't have all the tools and the materials together, and we wanted to help them. And we would hold a group class for that, bring them through the discipleship material, but at the same time kind of be preparing them – like you speak, but I think even more specifically on, okay, this is what you're going to do mm-hmm. and and disciple people. But I think that there has to be this mindset, well, I'll start a discipleship program one day. No, the Great Commission is is all-encompassing the three things. Yep. We, we don't wait to, to start a baptism program. Right. Yep. You know, I mean, we shouldn't wait to start discipleship. It is it is what we should be doing from the very, very start. In a... In a v- uh, visual word picture. I think how how I used to have the mindset was when someone came to Christ. It was sort of like we crossed the finish line, mm. like yay, like I said earlier. But instead, now my mindset is when someone comes to Christ, it's at the start of the line. Mm-hmm. Like I have nothing to rejoice about just yet. I have another responsibility so I can fulfill part of that right. great commission. Yeah. And and if we were to look at it as the start of the finish line, I mean, sorry, the start of the, the race line, mm-hmm. that that is where we're at when someone comes to Christ rather than, hey, we've crossed the line of, they went from you know darkness into light, yay, let's move on. No, 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 quite the opposite. That's just now getting them into the, into the beginning of the race. And let's yeah. go from there. If I can, I'd like to say this, because I've heard this, I've heard this, and I've heard this, and it and it makes me almost want to kind of bang my head on on the wall that oh my discipleship is just done from the from the pulpit and i i believe in the power of preaching mm. i know god works through preaching it makes no sense at times like how the preaching the or pre- that, that he does it? <laughs> that how God, it makes, you know, when you think about all the things he could have used and he just uses preaching, the proclamation of his word. That's an amazing thing that makes no sense mm-hmm. to me. But God, God clearly. Through the foolishness of preaching, that's exactly said. Exactly. But I do think you still see the, that, that, that in itself isn't all of it. You still need to come alongside sure. and, mm-hmm. and talk and invest and help people connect the scriptures to their life. Again, we live in a, in a day and age where people have so much baggage. So many people have so much stuff going on and mm-hmm. and we have got to help them understand that God's word is sufficient and God has truth for them. So as I'm trying to teach them about God or, or sin or how to read the Bible, there's also going to be that taking what they're as they share their life and kind of working through that from the lens of Scripture and helping them to see the sufficiency of Scripture rather than just, well, hey, I preached three points on a sermon this last Sunday. Mm. So, I again, all I believe in the power of preaching, but I also think that that's not just because I'm preaching doesn't excuse me from discipling. Right. It's a, it's a good point that you make, and, and it has biblical evidence to back it up. You know, Jesus was a preacher. 
the premier preacher, right? I mm-hmm. mean, nobody's ever preached a better message than Jesus preached. And yet he spent those three years with his followers and clearly was discipling them along the way. Uh, the preaching was part of what he was doing in preparing them, but he was also discipling them, and there was much one-on-one interaction. Clearly, as you look at the Apostle Paul, another great preacher, but he had his Timothys and Titus Mm -hmm. and and others as well uh, that he was bringing along in a very personal way also. And for me, I look at my own life, and I am so thankful that I had a pastor who, who really invested in me. And though we probably never sat together in a, in a formal discipleship kind of format, mm-hmm. and he sat down and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. He was constantly investing himself in my life and really in a way that he was discipling me all along and instilling biblical truths in me and kind of molding me. And I'm so thankful. I look back at those years that uh, I spent alongside my pastor, and and he helped me in ways that today I I know that I, I tell him often, I don't know that I would have even recognized the call of God in my life mm-hmm. if you had not invested in me in the way that you did. Yeah. And so such an important, important ministry. We are almost what? out of time. I got to say this one thing. This was on my mind because I just did a study on this. I taught something about discipleship recently. Again, just to emphasize, I'm going to, I will shut up after this. Okay. Okay. Just to emphasize, <laughs> emphasize again the importance of it. There was a recent survey done within the last, I think, five years done by Barna, you know, the Mm -hmm. the group that does research amongst the pollsters. Yeah, all that. And they came to the the conclusion of their results of a survey that only 17% of people identify themselves as having been discipled. Mm. That is shocking. When you have 17% have went through a formal... Uh, discipleship program, in a sense, and and again we talk, and I'm sure I used to be. Oh yeah, I believe in discipleship, but now again, 2003, that that challenge, woof, hit me. It is just something that if there's anyone out there listening, man, let's change their stats. We believe the Great Commission. That's why we're <laughs> out here doing what we do. Let's change their stats. Yeah. Um, because that 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 was sad. That was sad. Yeah. All right, I'm done. Well, well, I'll, I'll finish with this. Our, our churches will only ever be as strong as our Christians that make them up. And, and obviously, they're, they're not going to be strong enough to, to turn the world upside down with the gospel if we're not discipling. And, uh, you know, Jesus didn't throw discipleship in there as like, oh, yeah, and by the way, <laughs> maybe if you get a chance at this, do this too. It is part of that Great Commission. Mm-hmm. It is so important. Obviously, this is a topic that we could have continued on for some time. But we are out of time, and for sure now we're out of time. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. And if you have some questions about discipleship and maybe material even that you might use and and things, feel free to contact uh, either Stephen or myself. Our 
contact information is always in the show notes. We do appreciate you taking the time to spend this time with us each and every week. If this podcast is a help to you, would you share it with somebody else? Would you also take the time to just give us a rating on whatever app or platform you're listening on? It helps us to have the podcast more readily available to others. And so if you would take that time, we'd appreciate it. Again, thank you for listening. Until next time, have a great week in the Lord.